Hello listeners, this is Matt from Uncanny Treks, and I want to take a moment to tell you about our brand new Patreon at patreon.com slash uncannytreks. On our Patreon, we offer lots of exclusive content in multiple tiers, including access to our brand new Patreon-exclusive podcast, X-Men 92 vs. Young Justice. On this podcast, we follow the same format as B5 vs. DS9, but with an entirely new focus on reliving the nostalgia of 90s X-Men animated series and comparing it to the fast-paced action of Young Justice. Both of these animated series have recently been renewed for new seasons, so we felt it was a great time to return to these two comic book-based properties. If you're interested in subscribing, please visit us at patreon.com slash uncannytreks. You can always reach out to us on Twitter at uncannytreks. Enjoy the show, and as always... Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Galaxy's Greatest Podcast about the two great 90s space station shows, Babylon 5 versus DS9. But this week, we're not talking about either Babylon 5 or DS9. We're talking about Star Trek Picard, Season 2, Episode 4, The Watcher. Um, Matt, how you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. Uh, kind of a little disappointed, just a little bit. So you didn't you didn't dig this episode so much. I was yeah. It, it, I feel like as we've continued on into the season, just my overall excitement about the episode just started to go south. I'm still really enjoying it, although there were a couple things towards the end of this episode that did, didn't really light my fire, didn't really get me going. But overall, I, I'm still really enjoying this. Uh, I, I'm still kind of skeptical about the overall plan, the overall story they're going to pay off. But I'm, I'm enjoying the journey. And honestly, a lot of this episode was just marking time. I mean, the Picard Guinan stuff, not so much. But a lot of the other stuff was just marking time. But I, I enjoyed how they marked time. It was entertaining enough. You want to walk us through the A-plot of this episode, Matt? Yeah, let's go through the A-plot. So Picard revisits old haunts in 2024. He goes to... A ruined Chateau Picard with Gerardi, and then he goes to the Ten Forward and uh, meets up with a young recast Guinan. Yeah, yeah. And then in the B plot, we have uh, Musiker and Seven hunting for Rios across LA after he gets scooped up by ice at the end of the last episode. Right. And then in the C plot, we have the uh, Queen makes a vague Faustian deal with Gerardi. Yeah, yeah. Have you noticed, Matt, that Picard seems to have the longest and most irrelevant recap montages in the game? Yeah, I skip it every time. I enjoy getting a refresher extensively on what happened before, although it's just like, I don't know, did I really need to see 20 seconds of the ship crashing? I think I got the idea. You're not as bad as me either, Bob. Like you, I watch a lot of like uh, YouTube stuff, so mm-hmm. I get super familiar with the plots, so I'm just kind of like, eh. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I have seen some uh, discontent about this on social media, and uh, I enjoy it and I approve of it because uh, people are really uh, uncomfortable and angry with the explicit parallel the show draws between the Confederation, um, our own ICE, and the Nazis, and uh, frankly, I'm here for it. Yeah, if if you didn't already hate these things, uh, this episode is not going to sway your opinion, but the parallels are definitely there. I think the whole goal of this season so far is to make you realize how much our current situation sucks, especially with ICE and just what's happening with our government and how it's going to continue to suck into the future unless we kind of do something about it. Uh, I am hoping the real time travelers are working on this shit in real life, but sometimes I think the actual time travelers just came back and fucked everything up to begin with. So, Could be, could be. 
We also, this episode, get an extensive in-canon explanation for Picard's English accent, because his ancestors fled to England during the Nazi occupation, hence uh, the Chateau Picard is still in ruins, even, what, 70 years after World War II? It's an amusing theory, but I... It was also kind of like, I didn't really need an explanation for this ever. Like, you don't need to explain it. And if you have to explain it, I've always preferred the fan theory that he's always speaking French and the Universal Translator just renders it as an English accent. Yeah, I kind of, I appreciated the explanation. I like anytime they kind of pull up something like that and give a meaning to it, give a reason for it. I I would say it doesn't have a meaning. It has even less of a meaning after this explanation. <laughs> Like, it's just one of the charming things about the show that he's no. a French character played by the most English man to ever live. Patrick no, Stewart. no, no. I like it when they give an explanation for something. It's my favorite. Weirdly, you don't like when they give an explanation for something else. Uh, so you, you, you also, by that same logic, are you also enjoying the uh, Batman Begins flashbacks from Picard's childhood, Matt? Uh, no, I, I'm not a fan of these. So, yeah. So, yeah, you, you've... <laughs> Bob, I'm inconsistent. I'm a human being. Yeah. I'm only human. You're hoisted by your own petard, Matt. Hoisted by your own petard. I just don't want like I just don't want these like past stories brought up about Picard. You know, like the whole way they're doing it. It's odd. Yeah, Picard doesn't have to be that special, right? Like, right. He's a good officer. He's an archaeologist. Like, he doesn't. He doesn't need a traumatized childhood. He doesn't need a special destiny. Like, <laughs> and like I, I enjoy the few next gen episodes that kind of go back and talk about Picard's past. Like they're okay because yeah, they just go to because his his relationships with his family are interesting. Which you know his family's dead, so like that's right. kind of gone. Yeah, it's those were okay. This is just kind of yeah. This is just flashback crap that I just hope they don't. They're not going to focus too much on. Yeah, not great, not great. I, it, it, another kind of interesting thing that this episode did was it has Gerardi's unconscious mind. It keeps stressing the number 15, which they deduce kind of Batman 66 style. that the, This means that the future will irrevocably change in three days on the 15th of April 2024. It's kind of interesting how Gerardi's kind of like marvelous mind that Picard refers to sort of becomes a substitute for Picard, Picard's use for and affection for Data that we saw in the original show and then uh, in season one. Yeah, the inclusion of this date pissed me off, Bob, because the yeah. Bell Riots do not happen until September of 2024. That's a good point, Matt. That's a good point. The whole thought um, of the DS9 crew running into, into the Picard crew has been completely slashed. And yeah. I am kind of, I'm glad they found something for Gerardi to do, you know, as far as this piece goes and kind of mm -hmm. connecting with the Borg Queen and all that. But I kind of think Soji would have made more sense for this particular role. I think you're right about that, but I, I wonder if just the actress who played Soji wasn't available or something. And, can't, and we already, can't, we already saw data in that role though, in first contact. So maybe yeah. they want to look at a human, human who's able to, yeah. right. And that, yeah, I, I do think, although, like, plot-wise, it would make more sense for Soji to play the role, like, character-wise and acting-wise, I think I'm enjoying the Gerardi board queen scenes a lot more than I would enjoy Soji board queen scenes. So, for me, that's maybe enough of a justification on its own. Yeah. I will say that you're, you're right that this probably does uh, 
foreclose like a direct crossover with Bashir and Cisco being back in 2024 and that DS9 two-parter. But depending on how they write it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that they're ignoring the Bell riots. Like you could still read it as something they do, like potentially whatever they're trying to change, like will also factor into the Bell riots. Oh, okay. And, I'll see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Even, but yeah, you're right. It makes like a direct crossover. I think a lot less likely. I would also say that you know you said this uh, pisses off all of us DS9 fans. Um, you could. I'll make the joke that it probably also pisses off all the liberals because they were hoping that the key date would be November 2024. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. I did enjoy Girardi calling uh, Picard Dixit Hill. That 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 was quite amusing to me. Yeah, is it not crazy that we know what kind of like fictitious literary character a fictional character is referring to from a different fictitious series? Remember, 30 years ago. It's like... <laughs> to, it's, to quote it's, Lawrence Fishburne in The Matrix, why don't you see how far the rabbit hole goes, man? Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> it's, it's insane. Yeah, and so 10 minutes into our episode, I would like to express my annoyance that 10 minutes into this episode, Paramount did not allow me to skip the opening credits. Yeah, you just got to learn to push the, the fast forward. There's a fast I'm forward button. I'm bad at it. That's why it's the same reason I'm bad <laughs> at editing. Like, I, my, my ref, I'm fat. My reflexes are bad. What do you want from me? You, you don't want to miss too much, I guess. Or you, you can go back and just catch, like, the very end but of the then credit. I, but then I'll go back too far, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll probably actually wind up watching more of the opening credits than I would skip in yeah. fast forwarding. It's, no. yeah, like... We have a solution for this. It's called the skip button, and Paramount should give it to me. <laughs> I would yeah. never use it for Voyager or DS9 or Next Generation Original Series, but for these new Trek openings that are not Lower Decks, yeah, I'm using it. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. So I, I assume that's supposed to be the same punk with the same boombox on the bus uh, from Star Trek Four, which uh, where Kirk and Spock and crew go back to uh, 1986. Yeah, that's the actor is Kirk Thatcher, and it's the same character but he's kind of woke now, so. So he's like woke on Twitter, or he's just more considerate of public space. Just more considerate of public space. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I I haven't seen it because uh, Marvel movies can go to hell, but apparently he's in the new Spider-Man movie too. Yes, he is. Doing the same thing. With a boombox, yes. All right then. But he's made a career out of it. <laughs> hey, good for him, man. A lot of people have made. Uh, a lot, a lot bigger careers on a lot less. So good yeah. for him. Um, what do you think of uh, old young Guinan? Yeah, young Guinan. I'm, I'm glad they recast her. I'm glad they didn't just de-age Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's good. That's good. I mean, arguably, it creates a timeline problem with her having met Picard in 1893 in a Times Arrow two-parter from the Next Generation. But on the other hand, you could just argue that since the since the Federation doesn't exist anymore, that means Picard was never able to go back and meet her in 1893. So I, I don't really see that as a big issue. But there, there was some other reference you were making that I, I, I didn't really track, Matt. Do you want to explain that one? Um, at one point, Picard talks about, uh, he mentions that Guinan, is spe he speaks the same words that Guinan does in the future. And it causes her pain, but I don't know what episode that was referring to. I don't even remember what he said. I remember the temporal sickness, but I kind of forgot that it was he was repeating her words. 
was that just things that she had said to him in the earlier episode of this show? No, that was like something she had said in like, I guess, on a Star Trek episode or a Next oh, Gen so episode. It was, it was something from the Next Gen. Okay. And I couldn't figure out if it, or if it was just something they were just making up. I don't know. Okay. I mean, fair enough. Fair enough. I did sort of like the LRN temporal sickness. That was that was a kind of fun little bit, I thought. Yeah. And that, and that makes sense as far as like, you know, the way it's set up. And then um, did you want to chastise me for forgetting about the dog as well? Oh yeah, Bob, you did forget about the dog there. The little cute dog was was there and then Gaina had to let it go. Give it up to that dude. So it goes. So it goes. She's going to go on a journey somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you know, she's going to the stars, man. She's going to take off. <laughs> End up in the Nexus. Indeed. Oh yeah. Yeah, she she got to get in that Nexus, baby. <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know, to switch back to kind of the social criticism tack of the episode. I do love that Rios is appalled by the Pledge of Allegiance, as all right-thinking people should be. And um, I also love his one-liner of after he's, I think he got tasered by the ice uh, prick. He's just like, why does the past hurt so much? Yeah, the, the Pledge comment was hilarious, but you know, if Rios hasn't completely fucked the timeline up, I may have to alter my general understanding of time travel to be more in line with yours, Bob, because the, uh, the butterfly effect would be in full force here. Yeah, if it were real. <laughs> and I think it's funny like he he's the one they like uh, you know Musiker warns him in the first episode like she goes off on him about messing with the timeline and mm-hmm. you know he's probably screwed it up the most <laughs> I mean it's not his fault if they'd only aimed at the transporter better none yeah. of this would have happened <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah good 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 uh rios doesn't get to do that much this episode he mostly just gets to sit around and be displeased about the future but i i enjoyed it very much yeah. i also enjoyed there seems to be an implication from one of the things that musiker says that the internet doesn't exist in the 25th century which, oh my god, I hope that's true. What a, what a paradisical utopian future that would be indeed. But Bob, how will they access our podcast? Uh, Matt, they will uh, have uh, fully rendered us as holograms on the basis of our podcast. And we will sit in the metaverse, a.k.a. the holodeck, and uh, yeah. discuss episodes of Babylon 5 and DS9 for characters' enjoyments. I think the internet on Star Trek is really just like saying computer, and that's about it. Well, I think it's that the AI is advanced enough that, like, it doesn't need to network, I guess, is the kind of the idea. Right. And also, maybe they've uh, they've kind of discovered that the network is bad, actually. You, have you seen Dune yet? No, not yet, Bob. Okay. Are you, have you ever heard the term Butlerian Jihad? Mm-hmm. Vaguely. Like, I, I forget the details, but in the Dune timeline, at some point, they turn hard against, I think it's artificial intelligence, and they have a Butlerian jihad against it where they destroy it. And I, I like to think that in as part of, like, becoming a one-world socialist government, uh, Earth had a Butlerian jihad against the internet, which I would fully support. That's never going to happen. <laughs> oh, I think it will. We are too connected. Don't worry, we can always be unconnected. If anything, the internet is the assimilation of the Borg. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, it's like, what if the Borg had spam? It's so yeah. <laughs> One thing I will say that it's kind of a shame, although not really in the control of the show, 
but it's kind of a shame that when Voyager did its feature in two-parter where they go back to 90s LA, that was before Seven joined the crew. It would have been very amusing to have Seven be able to contrast her experience with the 90s and her experiences with 2024. Yeah, I agree. And speaking of that episode, we need to see Sarah Silverman make an appearance. I don't like Sarah Silverman that much, but I just, I'm just saying, like, if you're going to go this far... Yeah, I don't, I don't like Sarah Silverman, but I do like the fact that Sarah Silverman was almost a cast member of Voyager, and so her making a, her having a small appearance would be a charm. Yes. Yeah. Another, another great criticism uh, of the current awful hellscape moment this episode makes is, uh, I really enjoyed Musiker being appalled by the distances in LA and preferring the bus to the car. Like that, yeah. that was great stuff. I really enjoyed it. Okay. What did you think of the whole Musiker and Seven driving scenario thing? I, I thought it was kind of lame. Like I didn't care for it that much. It was fine. I didn't. I, I didn't think it was amazing, but I, I didn't mind it. Apparently, I'd forgotten this, but there's an Enterprise episode where Archer and T'Pol go back to like Detroit. I think in the 2000s or the 90s or something, and some of their some of the dialogue that Seven and Musiker have in the car is apparently the same dialogue that Archer and T'Pol have. Oh, uh, okay. And speaking of that, um, I was going to ask, um, because I've mostly forgotten the Temporal Cold War in Star Trek Enterprise, which was terrible, but I was kind of wondering if the Watchers had some connection to it, but the end of the episode, I think, sort of disproves that. It sort of, it doesn't really seem like they're going in the same direction as the Temporal Cold War. Yeah, I have no idea what the Temporal War is, and or Temporal Cold Tem- War is, Yes, and I'm, I'm kind of glad I don't. Like, I don't. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know, there's... I, I told you how to watch Star Trek Enterprise. You just watch the episodes with Jeffrey Combs in it. Gotcha. One yeah. day I'll do that. Yeah, it's 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 a good enough show. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know. You probably don't want to do it because it's probably not that good a show. But I wouldn't mind doing like the machete cut of Star Trek Enterprise with you. Could, I could handle that. Could be a good episode one day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so you know, we start to get answers about the Watcher. We first see the Watcher. Um, she's possessing a little girl. It's very creepy. I very much enjoyed that. And then later we actually see the Watcher, and it turns out it turns out that it's Laris. Yeah, I didn't really care for this, and I'm really hoping we get a great explanation as to why it's Laris. Yeah, I I don't know. I I, I will say that the previously on Picard really spoiled that because man, Laris was in that thing a lot, and I was just like, huh. I guess this is telling me that Laris is coming back, huh? Yeah, and then she's the Watcher. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I also didn't really love that Picard line that, like, change, change always comes later than we think it should. I mean, I think we could just say that change always comes later than it should. <laughs> I don't think we need mm. to we think in there. Although, I guess you could kind of say that there's a kind of profound Marxist point in that about how, you know, our ability to imagine the future, what the culture, you know, what the culture wants, what the culture expects always outstrips like what's actually possible in the economy we live in so maybe there's a profound marxist point there so what'd you think of that final scene bob with q uh i thought it kind of sucked honestly so it's it seems to be that q is trying to like unconsciously influence a girl who's apparently involved with a space project that seems connected to do you remember nomad from the original series matt yeah 
apparently it's connected to the nomad from the original series this girl who's working like you know for nasa or some private space company and picard's like speaking directly to her but not where she can hear but like the implication is that he's like trying to influence her but he's also like directly addressing us the viewer which is more of this like you can break the fourth wall bullshit that i don't care for but the girl's reading a uh, a dixon hill mystery which is a nice little touch but then we sort of get this moment where it appears that Q seems to have lost his powers. He does a snap and it doesn't work. And so I don't know. I just like I like Q, but I don't love how this show is playing him. And I OK, Q lost his powers. I don't really care. So this is kind of like a timeline strip Q of his powers somehow. Kind of like that Deja Q scenario. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Is that season three of Next Gen? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, Bob. So I'm I'm gonna ask you something. Did, did you watch it with subtitles? Uh, I did, but I don't think I know what you're referencing here. All right. You you want a little spoiler? Hit me. The character reading the Dixon Hill novel mm-hmm. is Renee Picard. Oh. Okay. I missed that. I missed that. That's interesting. The other the other big kind of reference is so. Apparently, this space mission that Rene Picard is involved with is connected to the Nomad probe. But the the language of the supervisors of the Watchers is apparently... Do you remember that Gary 7 episode of the original series, Assignment Earth? Vaguely, yes. Like, I, I yeah, I, I remember it. And a lot of these episodes I remember because you had this, like, book that had, like, a list of every episode and, like, a synopsis back before you yeah, had the internet was Yeah, it was, was called thing. the Star Trek Chronology, I think. Yeah, and I sat there, and I think I read that whole thing one time, just all the way through. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I'm familiar with it, but I haven't actually watched the episode. Oh, okay. We should, maybe, maybe we could do a bonus uh, content on it. It's a pretty good episode. It was originally going to be, like, a, a, a backdoor pilot for, like, a show where Gary Seven, who's kind of like an American Doctor Who who works for a you know temporal spy agency, and his cat Isis are like you know doing like kind of quantum leap style stuff of like helping people solving time problems that's that sort of thing, but yeah, it's apparently the this, the language of the supervisors is like referring to Gary Seven's bosses from that episode. Okay, well. I guess I'll, uh, I could try to watch this episode's Bob, but I'm not going to make any promises to you or the listeners, just to let you know. Well, I mean, I, I feel like we have enough on our plates right now, but maybe after Picard ends, if we wanted to do like, if we wanted to do like a bonus episode on Gary Seven and a bonus episode on Nomad, that maybe wouldn't be, wouldn't be a bad idea. Well, either that or after Picard season two, what we could do is an episode where we take all the like references to, from Picard season two. These episodes you're referring to, and like the Voyager episode, the DS9 episode, and do just kind of a whole like conglomeration type thing. I think that would be interesting. But hit us up yeah. on Twitter, guys, if you have any suggestions. We we could brand it like Star Trek Picard season two after party or something, maybe to keep those downloads coming. Yeah, that'd be good. I like that. All right, good deal, good deal. So your your general verdict is you thought this was the weakest episode so far. Yeah, this is the weakest episode. Kind of a kind of see a decline with each episode, but I, I do like the way you phrased it at the beginning. Is that you said that this is just some kind of passing time, or you know, well, like the Rios and Musiker and Girardi stuff just seemed like passing time, marking time. 
whereas like the Picard, Guinan, Q stuff seems to be advancing. And I'm, it's probably not a good sign that I enjoyed the marking time stuff a lot more than I enjoyed the <laughs> Guinan and uh, the Guinan and Q stuff. That's probably yeah. not a great sign. But I'm still, I'm still surprised at how much I'm really liking the season. I, I really didn't like season one in a lot of ways, and I'm, I'm still enjoying this much more than season one. Although again, I still had just no expectation about this tying off in a satisfying way. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll be back with episode five next week. Are we in for ten episodes with this thing? Yes, there are ten. So we're not even quite halfway yet. That's no, nah, we're not at the halfway point yet. So right. there's no telling where they could take this. Well, listeners, uh, I, I don't promise I won't burn out on this like I burned out on Star Trek Prodigy Season 1 or Star Trek Discovery Season 4, but I hope not, and I uh, hope you'll keep joining us as long as we keep making these. This has been the Galaxy's Greatest Podcast about the two great 90s space station shows, Babylon 5 versus DS9, but this week we were just covering Episode 4 of Season 2 of Star Trek Picard. I am Bob in Cascadia. That's Matt in the Southland. We're part of Uncanny Treks. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for listening.